The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Azra, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. I'm really happy to be here. Me too. This is um, going to be a wonderful conversation and I need to thank my wife, Nick, for introducing me to your work. So uh, thanks, Nick. <laughs> she's uh, She's been a big fan of yours for quite some time. Yeah. Well, I think we all rely on the help of our, <laughs> of our, our female partners and, and uh, friends in this work. What I'm fascinated about is... You are a researcher, you're a doctor and, and a researcher. And over the last few years, uh, especially the last decade, as I've been exploring nutritional health and other aspects of long-term sustainable health, one of the things that keeps popping up is do your own research. And I wanted to ask you the uh, that just simple question about doing your own research. What does that mean? And how has it changed your experience in this life? Yeah, um, it's true what you say. I have, a, I have a background in research biochemistry. I did a couple years of research at the National Institutes of Health here in the States with, um, in the field of maternal child bonding. And I, I went to medical school. I went to a uh, a normal traditional medical school here in the States and one that was research focused. So, uh, you know, the question is a profound question really. And it's about actually a question about direct knowledge. Is our knowledge 
immediate, direct? Is it coming through our body, our own experience, our own wisdom? Is it coming through our connection, through a connected state? Or is it secondhand knowledge? <laughs> and and how how do we work? You know, how do we work with this wild world of information? And and yeah, so my whole life I've I've done my own research. And I think that many of your listeners and certainly the audience I'm, I speak to have this awakening at some point in their life, often early, that, hey, the culture we've inherited, the, um, the narratives we've inherited, we need to really broaden our, our understanding. They're, they're not going to be sufficient. There's something bigger out there. Um, and certainly that was the case for me in medical school. You know, I, the Western biomedical model of health and wellness, it has its place, right? So if you, if you get in a car accident and break a leg or something, thank God for orthopedic surgeons. Thank God for the A&E nurses and physicians, or as we call it, the emergency room here in the U.S. And, um, but if you're talking about how do we really embody our, our greatest health, our wellness, our, our really our innate, profound psycho-spiritual potential? You're not going to find that in the Western medical model. And so I learned that really quickly, that what I was in particular looking for was something that was going to go, it just wasn't covered. I wasn't taught what I needed to know in med school. I was taught a lot of things in med school, but what I really wanted to know is is how do we how do we really thrive how do we how do we live up to our a really amazing biological potentials and and i learned really quickly that we we can't we our health our wellness our our spirituality our relationships do not happen in isolation right they happen only through profound connection to other people to the natural world and to our our, our deep body knowledge, our deep body wisdom, which knows so much more than our thinking mind, our rational mind, you know? So if we're going to solve a problem, if we try to think our way through a really complex and important problem, we're, we, we may or may not ever get there. But if we trust our instincts, if we, if we drop down into our body into the, and the wisdom, the world around us and start to work more from a, a really open consciousness and a heart-centered consciousness and a body-centered consciousness, we are going to have a better navigation system. And this, you know, this is in all realms from, from health and healing to um, relationships to everything that's meaningful and important. Mm, beautiful answer. I'm fascinated about this because what I took from that is the embodiment of knowledge through practice, through experience, maybe is, is even a better. To experience great health, for instance, and I'll use myself as an example, uh, through my childhood years, constant, um, used to get sick, runny nose, sinus issues, the list goes on and on, quite lethargic. And it wasn't until I got to experience what that didn't feel like <laughs> basically the opposite of that in my adult years when I found out through experience that if I ate this way and maybe left some of these ingredients off my plate, 
that I would have a different, um, different, much different experience. And I want to go back to the research part of this because there's a lot of academia out there at the moment that seems to be driving the forces uh, for our knowledge base, whether it comes through the mainstream narrative or through institutions. And I just, I, I always wonder how much experience is gained in those realms of transference of knowledge. And, and I know it's a sort of a, a, a tricky question, so to speak, if, but I guess I want to bring it back to you as well, is how did you gain your experience of what you teach now, which I believe is you're teaching people long-term sustainable health in all aspects of what health means to you? Yeah, yeah. Someone just asked me this the other day, and, you know, how did you learn what you learned? (laughs) How did you learn what you know and what you teach? And I said, my first answer was, well, it's been a lifetime. It's been a lifetime of of tuning in, of of looking deeper, of delving deeper, of following my instincts and my intuitions, and and as you say, not relying on secondhand knowledge, not being satisfied with secondhand knowledge, and continuing to look to toward the myths from the past and into wisdom of indigenous cultures and the way our ancestors all used to live at some point and. And, you know, really taking this broader perspective. Um, and so that was, you know, this was a, and I started to tell this story and, and she said, well, no, but how'd you learn what you, what you know? And then, you know, the better answer is, well, um, the fairies taught me. And, and, you know, that's both a joke and, and also a reality because I learned what some of the deepest knowledge in some of the most important pieces of, of what I've learned and what I share have come from direct connection to the natural world, have come from when I was a 19-year-old uh, young man, I went to Alaska. I went to the wilds of Alaska. I, you know, it was a little bit like into the wild, except, you know, not, not quite that wild, but I just had this yearning. I needed to get out of my suburban world where I grew up and I needed to get into that raw, wild nature, you know, and, and in the U S there, uh, here in Alaska, in the U S there are, I mean, you know, thousands of miles stretches, um, many thousands of miles stretches. There's not even a fence. There's not a road. I was in the woods and I just, you know, for, for three months or so, I slept directly on the earth. I was around no artificial electromagnetic fields, no, no technology. I, um, I had to boat in any food I had or catch it. And I, in that experience, I just, I didn't even know what I was doing. Right. I just, I just knew that I, my body knew that I wanted it. My psyche knew that I wanted it. I, I absorbed the frequency or the vibration or I, I became coherent with the, the frequency of the forest and of the, icy cold waters of Resurrection Bay, where I bathed in every morning in the salt water, 40 40 degrees or something, you know. And I, in this process, I saw every sunrise and every sunset and and every shift of light. I walked, you know, barefooted half the time. I was in constant communication, electromagnetic communication with the natural electromagnetic fields of the earth and the, the natural rhythms of sunlight which 
we don't even think about it. I mean, we think so much about what we eat and eating, of course, is really important. But our light diet, what we receive in terms of information from the sun and from the, the varying patterns of light and you know, dawn and, and, and dusk and the changing lights, patterns of the season. Well, you know, that sunlight actually controls 10 to 20% of our genetic expression. So every morning when we wake up, literally 10 to 20% of our genes turn on or change their expression just from the sun, you know? And so these things, and that's just not to mention what happens when our bodies are in a real electromagnetic connection with the earth. When we put our bare feet on the ground, you know, how, how powerful that is actually, we, you know, it's like a lot of people think that, oh, you know, if, if I want to, you know, kind of improve my health, maybe I go to the gym or maybe I take a supplement or, well, what about what's the power of putting your feet on the earth and then normalizing your, your bioelectric potentials, you know, all, all of these things, it's, they're it's so powerful and it's not woo-woo, it's, <laughs> it's physiology and so you asked, I think the original question was, how do I know what I know? And, and yeah, some of it I've read, I've read, you know, I, I read a lot of scientific research. I, science is a very valid way to access certain kinds of information. Yeah. It's, and of course you have to be, um, you have to be aware that <laughs> who funds the science, right? Not, you know, not all science is created equal, but when, uh, when a scientist or a team of scientists come in with that, that pure natural curiosity of, I want to understand how the world works and, and they allow, you know, this, this hypothesis or this, it's really a creative process and they open the doors to, um, you know, without bias to really understand i mean science can be beautiful right um but of course it just offers an insight on a very limited um a field of the vast intelligence that's in the universe yeah so i take my information and inspiration and wisdom from all sources and you know and not the least of which is this as this real heart connection or this devotional connection to to nature and to the nature that is our own body. Yeah. So, so the work I share, the name that I give it is biomancy. Yeah. So biomancy, which for me, you know, the word, the word came through. I, I don't know whether it's my wife and I bring through these dreams and visions and, and information together often. So I don't know whether it came through me or my wife even, but anyway, the word biomancy, it's on one hand, about bio means life, right? Biology, life, and mancy is an old term for magic. So awakening to the magic within our bodies, within the natural world. And biomancy also has this association with romance. Yeah, with with this devotion or place of relationship and and you know, and, and kind of courting these connections to our, our body and to the trees and to the animals on this planet and what can we learn from them? It goes on and on. You know, I've just, um, today is the day after a, um, a holiday or a festival called Martin mass and Martin mass was originally about, this is 11, 11. Yeah. So it was originally uh, in old Europe about the return of the swans migrating back during in, in the colder months from the Arctic. And 
and the swans. Well, what does a swan have to do with us and our health and our, you know, our information in the crazy world we live in right now? But I'll say this is that for thousands and thousands of years, more thousands of years than humans have even existed, these swans have been migrating back and forth over 3,500 kilometers to the Arctic and then, you know, back to, to, to Europe and other places. And, and in order to do that, they have to rely on something called magnetoreceptors. Magnetoreceptors are, are cells or specialized um, proteins, et cetera, in, in the cells that orient to the electromagnetic fields of the earth. Yeah. And then they navigate a lot with using this amazing, powerful internal field of navigation. Yeah. So they rely on their bodies and their deep senses, not just the five senses that we have and that swans have too. Yeah, they have all the normal five senses that humans have, but they're also very attuned to this deeper sense. And they also, in order to make that migration, they rely on the wisdom of their elders. So they, you know, so swans can live 40, 50 years, whatever it is. And the older ones teach the younger ones the ways of being that are in harmony with the natural world, with the natural cycles. And it's only by receiving both of these sources of wisdom, yeah. So there's taught information, received information, but there's also innate information that's attuned to in our own biology that the swans can continue to do their thing and thrive and be alive. And and so we have that too, right? Most people don't understand this. Is that humans actually are magnetoreceptors too? We have that capacity. We have these microcrystalline iron deposits in our cells that attuned to magnetic fields. And this has been scientifically proven and observed. It's just that most humans aren't conscious of this. It's happening. We have to really open up our, our senses beyond the five senses in order to attune to it. Yeah. So this is actually proven in a lab that humans are on an unconscious level are absolutely sensitive to these Earth's magnetic fields. Anyway, a long answer, a long answer to your question. Let's go back to young 19-year-old Azra and journeying into Alaska. Mm. When did you know that that nature offered you treasure or the gifts or the knowledge that you were perhaps consciously seeking or unconsciously or subconsciously? Was it yeah. was it a was it a gradual or was it a once you got there, was it, okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm still getting it. You know, it's like, I wish I could say that at age 19, I consciously understood these, these really strong desires, you know, really passionate, amazing desires that we have as young ones. And, and when we, you know, when we honor that, they still stay, they still remain even as we grow up and, but my my connection to nature, I was, you know, in part raised by nature. I I lived, I was lucky enough to live in this very rural situation. And every day I went outside, I ate some breakfast and I went outside and I came back for maybe for lunch, maybe, <laughs> or maybe, you know, eight hours later for dinner. And I spent the my my days in the woods and in the creeks and in the forests and with the animals and there weren't a lot of other people around where I lived. And so from a young age, I 
had that that gift of um, of having that as my you know that was my school nature was my school and and it was a mystery school you know it's it's <laughs> steps can't be understood entirely by the the logical rational thinking mind it's it's you know something that sometimes we can only understand through the lens of myth and lore and fairy tales right this this wildness of the wood and and it just it was a gradual thing yeah it was a gradual thing and i remember in in med school um you know i was a ser- i was a serious student in med school i i took it very seriously and i applied myself to it and at the same time year 3 where most of my colleagues were taking that extra neurosurgery rotation or whatnot, you know, to kind of get ahead and, and, and that field of the medical model, you know what I did? I, I took three months out and I led treks for young people, adolescents on the Appalachian trail and the U S famous outdoor trail goes, you know, 1500 miles or something. And I knew that I would learn what I could learn from that experience would be more valuable than what I could learn in a classroom or what I could even learn on those rotations. Um, so yeah, it's an ongoing process and I continue to be humbled. I continue to be, um, you know, it's like when you, when you really tap in, you begin, you begin to touch the mystery. You begin to touch realms of knowledge or understanding that are not considered possible in, you know, by kind of the mainstream understanding of what our capacities and capabilities are and you know and i also i love now that the things that some of the things i was fascinated with when i was young were things like you know things like telepathy right being able to communicate um without words at distance of i was fascinated by psychic gifts or psychic powers and and now to get that these capabilities are natural what i call our biomantic you know our biomagical capacities and now been proven by science without a doubt you know to the certainty beyond what's required to launch the space station you know with certainty greater than one in 10 billion you know odds against chance that we all have these capacities not just special people or something but that we all, you know, a lot of the studies are done on 20 year olds <laughs> and, and, you know, you know, in university or whatnot, they need a few extra bucks and, and, and they all have these gifts and we all have these gifts. You mentioned before about the, the swans and the elders teaching. Mm-hmm. I, I'm often looking at the human species as a, hmm. Is a very complicated and some sometimes disturbing species where we're at currently in our human history. Whereas I, I'm, we're fortunate enough to live on a on a property currently twenty five acres, and we're actually moving today to two hundred acres. Uh, we've been called to uh, a more mountainous region um, with running spring water. Uh, my wife and I were were talking about intuition. The intuition came to to move into that direction, to have that surrounding us at this particular point in time for us. And one of the things that I notice is, as you were talking about, nature and the wild animals, especially the birds, the insects, 
they seem to have this 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 knowing. Every year, I, I watch the birds nest and reproduce, and it's just a, a, a beautiful part of being able to live on the land for the last uh, nearly decade. Where we are now in human history, and I don't like to look into the future too much, but where do you see the wisdom starting to reemerge in what you'd call biomancy for our species? Do you believe it will happen? We, we know it can happen. You're a living example and so many others are. And through our human history, we see tribal people uh, and Indigenous people, as you mentioned, that have lived this way. And my perception these days is we as a species are so disconnected to our knowledge base, our innate intelligence in how to live. And I have friends that are quite pessimistic about the future of our species. And I'm still an eternal optimist, yet I do question this sometimes <laughs> when I do read the mainstream news. So how, how, how do we, as my shirt mentions, how do we evolve or maybe that's not even the right terminology, how do we remember yeah. our wisdom? Yeah, right. I mean, so 5,000 years ago, most of the people on the, on the planet were living with, within a different perception of reality, right? So modern, quote unquote, you know, civilization, like modern humans, people living in this modern technological, um, mind-oriented, disconnected um, kind of reality, we are lost. We've lost our inner GPS, right? Our inner navigation system. But we look at our ancestors 5,000 years ago, they were fully, they were fully tuned in. Yeah. I'm not saying there weren't problems or traumas. There weren't, you know, strife and conflict in times 5,000 years ago. But what I am saying is, is that they were connected. And every one of us, if we go back far enough, we come from our ancestors are indigenous, you know, whether that's one generation ago, five generations ago, a thousand generations ago, whatever. We come from a connected past. And from that state of connection, we know, we know that all kinds of amazing capacities are, are possible. If you look at and you see this, you know, I, I have such love, such love for any traditional and indigenous group that has preserved this and is fighting to preserve this knowledge against all the odds. Yeah. And, but how do we know where to find food? How do, how did we know where to find water? How did the Aboriginal Australian people map their way across the huge desert in the middle of your country. Yeah. How did they know where to find water and food sources? They did. Yeah. But you see this with every 
connected human, every earth connected, every body connected, every intuitive connected human in history. So yeah, how do we <laughs> evolve back to that state that we that is innate, actually? Yeah, how do we remember that? And and you know, this is this is the question. Um and I'm 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 actually profoundly optimistic in in a bigger sense. And of course I see I see what's happening in the world. Yeah, I see I perceive profoundly traumatized and disconnected species. And in that trauma, just <laughs> dishing out the pain, dishing out, you know, whatever our own pain is as individuals and as a collective, it's kind of sort of um outsourcing that, <laughs> placing it on other people, um, you know, spraying that pain around and um certainly destroying the capacity of our biosphere to maintain life, you know, on the earth, um, certainly undermining our own health and vitality as, as in our, in our human health, you know, I'm not going to go on about this, but if you look at the rates of, of chronic illness and, and fertility problems, et cetera, it is absolutely astounding. Yeah. And so on one hand, you could project into a very terrible future, but I don't do that. I, I sense it as an initiatory crisis in essence that is going to catapult those who are willing, those who are ready, those who are able, those who wish to connect with, reconnect with their magic, reconnect with our, our innate shamanic, I'll call it shamanic, capacities for shamanic consciousness. Um, the word, the term I use more frequently is biomantic, but not everyone knows what that means. But as we do, we have an amazing and astounding potential to travel forward in what I would actually consider a, a evolutionary leap or a quantum leap. And I don't think this is fantasy. I don't think this is far out. I don't think this, I think this is inevitable. If you look at the trajectory of how life has evolved or I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.